Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in the midst of um, an incredible collection of conversations um, that the Lord gave us to discuss as a body. And the name of this collection of conversations we have entitled uh, Pain Killers. Pain Killers. Unfortunately, pain is a, a part of the human experience. And we can't pretend um, like just because we surrender our life to the Lord that we become pain exempt. We're not. We have to walk through pain just like people who haven't given their life to the Lord. But the thing about pain is, is, is no matter where you find yourself on the, on, the, on the spectrum of being a believer or not, we all want relief. When the pain hits, it's a whole problem. It's a whole situation. And, and, and that's where the demarcation line comes between those who are in Christ and those who are not. It's the, it's the remedies they seek for their pain. That should be one of the differentiators between us and them because our Bible warns us of pain and our Bible equips us with how to go through the pain. So it's important that us as, as kingdom citizens, we know, A, that pain is a part of our story, but two, God has left us with some painkillers to help us navigate when the pain arrives. And the verse of scripture that we're using for the entire series is Luke 21 and 34 that says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Sometimes we think, you know, we have things under control. Sometimes we think we're strong enough to handle life when it comes our way. But the problem with, according to scriptures, that anxiety can sneak up on you like a trap. And then that bears the question, who laid the trap? If it's a trap, who's trying to trap us? It's our enemy. Did you know we have one? Did you know that he makes it his personal business day after day, night after night to trap you? <laughs> to get you off track from the purpose and the destiny that's on your life. Because just like pain is a part of our life experience, so is purpose. And the point of the pain from your enemy is to move you away from your purpose. And we can't have that. We can't let them win. So we got to know what the Lord says about how we should handle pain. We gave one prescription last week and it was rest. We overlook and we minimize rest 
because we don't realize how valuable it is as a pain reliever. And this week, we're going to look at another prescription. And we find ourselves landing at a very familiar story in our Bibles in Exodus, the 14th chapter. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. If you love Jesus enough that you brought your Bible, I want you to turn to Exodus 14. If you got your iPhone, you should get there like that. I'm saying it early so the Androids have enough time to figure out how to get to their Bible app and the book of Exodus. I want to make sure we're all in this together. So we got to show grace to the people with smartphones and the people with dumb phones. In Jesus' name. There's room for everybody in the kingdom of God. There's room for everybody. But we are uh, um, in Exodus 14. I'm going to read... Uh, one through four, and then I'm going to jump to verse 10. I'm going to read one through four, and then I'm going to jump. So stay with me. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. If you're not, say, hold up. We good. All right. Chapter 14, verse number one. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by P. High Harah between Migdal and the sea, camped there along the shore, across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness, and he will chase after you. Sometimes the Lord tells you <laughs> before the attack is coming. But pain can make you forget that you were warned. Let's keep reading. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this. Sometimes our pain is pre-scheduled for a specific purpose. I have planned this. In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there. Say, they camped there as they were told. They were told an initial set of instructions, and they followed it. But then, then problems arose, and if we skip down to verse number 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, now remember, God warned them. I want you to camp here, take up residence in this space, but I'm warning you that your enemy is going to come. And now the enemy has sh shown up just like the Lord predicted. Verse 10 again, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Man, that pain can cause amnesia, can't it? Because all, all you see, all you feel, all you experience is pain in that moment. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here? 
to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves. Ain't it? Pain makes slavery appealing. Pain messes up your whole vision. You start remembering pain as though it was pleasurable. When new pain shows up. Mm. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Here's a part we need to remember. The Lord himself will fight for you. You so busy trying to fight it on your own. You think you so smart and so strong. The Lord will fight for you. You let him. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Here's our instructions. Are you ready, church? Here's our instructions. Tell the people to get moving. <laughs> the instructions had changed. He told them to sit still. And then a new set of instructions came. He said, tell them to get to moving. You know what happens when the new set of instructions come? You got to make a choice. Because change is uncomfortable. Change can be painful. And one of the biggest inhibitors of us walking into our destiny, our future, is fear. So we got to deal with that pain today. So we're going to unpack a message that we titled, Fear is not my future. Let's, let's pray before we get out of hand. Lord, we summon you into this place. We recognize that your presence is here for a purpose. And we are so glad to know that you are so concerned about us, that you've taken up residence in this space, and that you have come to deal with our hearts, our minds, and our feet, so that we may follow after your new set of instructions for our life. And Lord, it's Packers week. Let the Bears whoop the Green Bay Packers in Jesus' name. I mean, whoop them. Fear is not my future. Fear is tricky, man. If we're honest, we all got fears. None of us are that strong. We're all scared of something. <laughs> Everybody's got a phobia. 
What do you think, based on research, what do you think, because there's all types of things to be scared of, what do you think the number one fear is in the world? Don't tell me. Public speaking, what else? Spiders. Fear of the unknown. You're all wrong. The number one fear is the fear of rejection. You see, you all resonated with that. And that's not by coincidence. Because no matter how strong we like to present in public, deep down, somewhere in all of us, is a bit of fear of rejection. It's powerful. It's the number one thing that people fear. And it inhibits their ability to move into the future with a sense of confidence. Because the fear of rejection is so pronounced that the fear leaks into the future. And because the fear of rejection leaks into the fear of the future, we end up not achieving all that God has for us. Because we're afraid. Can we just be honest in church? Fear is powerful. Fear is palpable. We can feel it. So what's the remedy, according to Scripture, for that fear that's prohibiting us from walking into the future? I would surmise that the prescription, the antidote, is childlike faith. Childlike faith. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and 3, then he said, Jesus is talking, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. It's a requirement to get into heaven to have childlike faith. The only way you can have childlike faith is if you believe that you have a heavenly father. If he's just the man upstairs, this ain't going to work. If he's just the universe, this ain't going to work. If he's just the creator, this doesn't work unless he is your Abba, Father. You won't be able to have this required childlike faith and you will continue to walk in fear because you lack faith. We have three kids, three wonderful kids. Our oldest, his name is Emmanuel. He has always been the explorer type. In fact, my wife was freaking out the other day because he's in eighth grade and she said, talent, he gonna be gone in five years. <laughs> I'm not ready. See, here's the thing about my son. He, he's already warned her. He's like, mom, listen, just need you to know, I'm going away for college. I'm, I, he's like, far. I don't know where, but far. Because that's always been him. He's an explorer. He wants to see the world. When he was this big, we lived uh, in, a, in a cul-de-sac. And one of his favorite things to do was to go outside and have me take him for a walk. And so I, w- I would do it, get him, get him situated, take him outside. He would just take off. He'd be 
be gone. He'd be gone. He'd be gone. But then, but then he would get to like a, a crossroads. He would stop. He would turn. And he would want me to tell him what direction to go next. He knew not to make a move unless he checked in with his father. So he was free to explore until he got to a certain point. Now it's time for a new set of instruction. So he would look back. And I would tell him left or right or straight and he would go. He'd be, he'd be back off doing his thing, doing his thing. And then he'd get to the next crossroad. And here's the thing. When I tell him which way to go, he never turned back and said, are you sure? He never turned back and said, but what about this? This looks a little better. This looks a little easier. This looks a little smoother. When I said right, he went right. When I said left, he went left. When I said back, he went back. Why? Because he had childlike faith in his father. He knew his father. And that's him right there. He knew his father would not steer him in the wrong direction, even if the new set of instructions didn't make sense. When you have childlike faith, when he says move, you move. That was almost the name of the message. When I move, you move. But, but you know, I, I didn't want to get too, too hood. You know what I'm saying? We got, so I tried to be a little more, little more corporate with the title. But here's the thing. If you don't have that childlike faith, you'll be negotiating when God gives you a new set of instructions. And you'll miss your next because you're stuck negotiating in your now. When God is trying to promote you to something new. So the children of Israel, there was a problem. Fear had gripped the children of Israel. Now you got to remember, they didn't see miracle signs and wonders. They saw it while they were in Egypt. They were a part of it. They heard the screams of the Egyptians when they firstborns were killed. They saw the frogs. They saw the locusts. They saw the blood in the water. They knew that God was a miracle worker. He had spoken through Moses that they were his chosen people. They were finally free from hundreds of years of captivity, all thanks to the Most High God. So here they are, out, free, following God. And yet, even though they have been delivered and even though they had been following God, fear still crept in. See, y'all think because you know a few Bible verses <laughs> that fear can't overtake you. But you forgot our initial verse that says if life's anxiety can sneak up on you like a trap. The only thing that makes a trap good is if you can't see it. Or else it's not a trap. It's just a waste of energy. It becomes a trap because it's just right to trip you up and take you off track. You're not as super sainty as you think you are. You still flesh and blood. You are still what theologians call totally depraved. 
meaning that you are 100% dependent on God 100% of the time. And the moment you forget that, trap. You're trapped. The children of Israel were trapped. They were battling fear. They were battling a few types of fear. Some of you all battling a few types of fear. First type of fear they were battling was the fear of the present. They were there literally where God told them to be. God gave the instruction on where they were to set up their camp. And they did it. They followed the initial set of instructions that they were given. Good job. Way to go, Israel. They were there living their best life. Some of them joined the worship team. Miriam was the lead singer. Some of them, they were Greek people. Some of them would unpack the word. They were in the will of God. There's an old cliche that says the safest place that you can ever be is in the will of God. But then a threat showed up. Not a threat off in the distant land, but the Bible says they could see the threat. And now everything that they presently had in their life was under attack. Have you ever been right where the Lord told you to be operating in the way on the job that he gave you with the person that he brought into your life and a threat came to your life? where it seemed like your world was about to be turned upside down. What do we do in that moment? We get mad at God. How could you? What is this? And when the fear of your present circumstances pop up on you, creep up on you like a trap, you got some decisions to make. Either he's God or he's not. But the problem is pain makes us feel like he's not. Because the children of Israel were right where God told them to be. And remember, pain caused amnesia. Because they were right where he told them to be. And he told them that Pharaoh was coming. But when Pharaoh came, they forgot that he said that Pharaoh was coming. And so their whole focus was not on the promise that God made, not on the presence of God's promise, but their attention turned to the presence of their current pain. And they saw a threat that they felt ill-equipped to handle. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if there's a medical diagnosis that showed up out of nowhere that you feel ill-equipped to handle. I don't know if there's a financial miscue that crept up on you out of nowhere that you feel like you're ill-equipped to handle. 
I don't know if there's a relational breaking that popped up on you out of nowhere and you feel like that pain is too much for you to handle. The pain of your present circumstances feels as though it's too much to handle. What do we do when the pain of the present messes with us in such a way that we feel ill-equipped to handle We got to remember who God says he is. And then we have to remember who God says we are. He told them the Pharaoh is going to come, but I'm going to use this for my glory. If God is going to use your pain for his glory, it's going to work out for you in the end. So you have to decide, is my attention going to be on the pain or is my attention going to be on the promise? It can't be on both at the same time. You're going to have to make some decisions. Pain can mess with our decision-making ability. Pain erodes any ounce of rationale that we have. Here's an example of this. 12 million Americans a year take out payday loans. You're quiet. It's okay. I'm one of them. I did it before. I was stuck in that cycle too. But here's the thing. Why do every year 12 million Americans take out payday loans and pay $1 billion in interest It's because the pain of current financial trouble makes you go out for a pain reliever that actually causes more harm than good. You got to understand, regular banks don't even issue payday loans because it's predatory and they don't want that on their reputation. They recognize that it's not a healthy financial product. But there's other institutions that see it as a way for an immense amount of profit. And so they offer it to you. And 12 million Americans across this country take it because pain in your current situation can make you embark on the wrong decision that doesn't relieve the pain. Hear hear me, it elongates it. Because now you're stuck with these payments at 50% interest instead of five. Because your pain presently made you make an irrational decision. Not only were they dealing with the pain of the present, but they were dealing with the pain of the past. They asked Moses, why did you bring us out here? Like we was good as slaves. Why would you bring us to the wilderness to die when we could have just died in Egypt? Egypt was so dope. They forgot that the Egyptians was beating them. The Egyptians was making life miserable for them. But sometimes when we look back on the pain of the past, it starts to look pleasant. 
because the pain of right now seems way more intense than that pain. You know, man, we, we had some good slave masters back in Egypt. They used to beat us, but they used to feed us. We start justifying abuse. <laughs> we start making dysfunctional behavior normalized. Why? Because the pain is so intense in our present that we start misremembering the pain of our past. The pain of the past should encourage you to make some different decisions, but when you are battling the pain of your present and the pain of your past, things start to get misconstrued in our mind. So then, so then what's the remedy? Childlike faith. Okay, so then how do we cultivate this remedy in our life? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to spend time with God. Wow, what a shocker. If we want to get through the pain that is bound to come in our life, we need a strong relationship with our God. He's the real pain reliever. Exodus 14 and 1 starts off, the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses. The only reason that Moses was in position to get the instructions was because of the relationship that Moses cultivated with God. God called him a friend. I speak to him face to face like a friend. But here's the thing. You can have the same relationship. Yes, Moses is in the hall of faith. Yes, it's unbelievable that he will be able to go up into the mountain and talk to God. But God has made his spirit, his very spirit available to us right here and right now. But you're trying to make all your decisions out your own strength. You need to spend time with God. And if you do, you'll be able to hear clearly. And when you're able to hear clearly and you know it's the voice of God, that child life faith just arises in you. You know that God is pointing you that way. And when you know God is pointing you that way, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go that way without any question, without any concern, without having all the answers, without having everything figured out. You're going to go because God told you to go. But that only is birthed out of a relationship with God. How do you cultivate that relationship with God? The word of God, praying to God. You know this, but you don't do this. And that's why you're so confused. And that's why fear is busting you upside your head on the regular. Because you don't have no instructions. All you got is pain. And when the pain is louder than the instructions, you're going to go find your own relief. And it's not going to be the God kind. The God kind requires childlike faith. In order to get childlike faith, you got to spend time with God. Number two, you got to practice godly gratitude. Some of y'all are so negative. All you talk about is your problems. That's why it's the only thing on your mind. All you talk about is the things that haven't happened or the things you wish were different. What about the things he's already done for you? When was the last time you said, thank you, Jesus? I appreciate you. It ain't perfect, but because you're here, I'm good. You don't have no godly gratitude in your life. That's why it's hard for you to have faith, because you don't realize all the ways that he has kept you. That oxygen going in and out of your lungs isn't because you're good. It's because he's good. 
but you don't realize that because you're so focused on your problems and your issues and your shortcomings. You haven't been practicing godly gratitude. And if you want to develop childlike faith, you got to practice godly gratitude. Exodus 14 and 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be. Let's get that out the way first. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians you see today, you will never, excuse me, will never be seen again. Verse 14 says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. See, when you practice gratitude in God and you remind yourself of all the ways he's kept you then, you get the confidence to know that he's going to keep you now and you're able to stay calm and watch the Lord rescue you. You got to practice this because the devil will only put your problems in your face to help you forget all the ways that God is all ready made. This is the last one and the hardest one. I said, this is next step I'm about to give you is the last one and the hardest one. The third thing you got to do is obey God. Yeah, y'all real, y'all real prophetical up in here. Y'all be having dreams, signs, wonders, visions, but don't do nothing. He tell you what to do. You pray and he answers and he instructs and you sit there like, but, but God, but Lord, listen. I don't have a website. They ain't going to listen to me. Who am I? Why should I? Don't you remember how I failed before? Why would they listen to me now? Why would I, why would I qualify for another chance in that person's heart? I failed. The hardest thing is to obey God. And even if, even if you have a track record, where God told you to do something and you did it. Here's what you, here's what we all forget. Obedience is not one time, it's ongoing. So appreciate your last yes, but what about your new one? If God's not finished with you, then God's not finished instructing you. And if God's not finished instructing you, then he is not finished requiring your obedience. Problem is fear. We don't move when he says move because we are afraid. How do we overcome that? Childlike faith. The, the Israelites, they got it right at first. Verse 1. These instructions came to Moses, set up camp right here, and they set up camp. They gave a yes. But what happens when the new set of instructions come? You know what happens? We get comfortable in the old set of instructions. It's not just y'all, it's me too. I was in the army, and... um. 
I met this fine chocolate little thing. And, uh, you know, I asked her to marry me. I asked her to marry me. Here's the problem, though. She was here. I was in Texas. I was in the Army. She was just finishing up uh, uh, school and starting her new career and all that stuff. And we prayed, like, you know, like, Lord, what will you have me to do as far as my career, her career? How do we make this work? And um, I was asking God, should I stay in the military or should I get out? And he told me to get out. Then I started negotiating. <laughs> started rationalizing. Because my first set of instructions was to come in. And I thrived in my new environment. I was getting promoted left and right. I had authority. I had my own stuff. I was out on my own. I left the house and I was making a way for myself. But then a new set of instructions came. And y'all, I was afraid to follow the new set of instructions. Why? Because it didn't make sense to me. I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have any job prospects. How am I going to be a new husband with no degree? And then if I get out, no job. God, that doesn't make sense. So I didn't do it. I re-enlisted. I stayed in for another five years because the pain of my current circumstances made me negate the instructions of God. I'll just be honest because I know y'all perfect, but I'm not. I had to learn the hard way because my last assignment was my toughest assignment. Because I was outside of the will of God. Now, he kept me. He didn't let me get taken out. But let me tell y'all, that last assignment was the toughest assignment. And then, when I asked again, his answer had not changed. And I got out. It wasn't until I gave my yes that he clarified what I was supposed to do next. And the story continues. Don't cheer me yet, because there's more to the story. The next set of instructions was I was supposed to move into education. So I did what I had to do. I became a teacher, then I became a dean, and then I became an assistant principal. Guess what? I'm rolling. There's only one more. Only, only thing left is principal. Surely I'm going to get that in a year or two. Then a new set of instructions came. You see, this whole time, my wife and I, we have been building our company, his and her money. And it got to a point where he was like, now nah, I need you to focus on that full time. I'm like, but God. <laughs> There's a problem. The stakes are even higher now. I'm not just a husband. I'm a father. And that business that you're telling me to go into full time ain't got no insurance. And I got three kids. 
and they need shots and, and all kind of stuff. My son needs medicine. Like, Lord, this don't make sense. These new set of instructions of yours. He told me to, to do it. I said, Lord, just one more year. Just one more school year. Hold on. Let me, let me stack it up, stack it up, stack it up, stack it up. Hold on. Let me get one more school year. <laughs> the worst school year of my whole career. That's why I wanted you to hold your applause. The worst school year of my career because I didn't give the new yes. The instructions changed. God didn't change. The instructions did. We have to learn to be okay when God declares a new set of instructions. We got to say yes again. When the new set of instructions come, let me tell y'all, I'm no longer that fool. Because, <laughs> see, I moved into what he told me to do, finally. We're doing the business full time. We good. We speaking here and there. We helping people around the world. And a new set of instructions came. The Lord said, hey, businessman. I have a new requirement of you. I need you to plant me a church. I need you to plant me a new church in Aurora. Y'all, no hesitation this time. And it's, come here, it still didn't make sense. From where my life was at that moment, this didn't makes sense. It didn't fit into my plans that I had for myself. Oh, but the game is different now. I messed up enough to know that when God says move, you move. Church, we got a new set of instructions. Now, some of you are confused. Sit down, 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 sit down. We told you all that there was a big announcement today. And some of you showed up. I ain't seen y'all. Listen, I'm going to say there's an announcement every Sunday. I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Just playing. But we have, we have, hold on, Brandon. We have a new set of instructions. I just wanted to pause to drag it out. We, we, we have a video that we want to share with you all, so check this out. The question has always been asked, 
What happens when the unstoppable force meets the immovable object? This question is flawed because the two belong to the same unshakable kingdom. When they meet, it's not to compete, it's to unify. You and I is how we survive. You and I carrying the legacy of forefathers who now cheer from the stands. You and I stand on uniting people with their purpose. Our purpose is to hold on to the victory. We defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This unification is holy matrimony until death do us part. And since death has been defeated by the one who is seated at the right hand of the goat, the greatest of all time, I vow to stand in the paint with you. I'm with you, shooting in the gym. I'm throwing up all of you to be on the enemy and hanging on the rim. It's a public spectacle. I vow to put the cross over distractions. I'm picking up your burdens and we can keep it rolling. I'm standing on the sidelines, 10 toes down with you. We step on the court, it's showtime. Whether it's bird versus magic, mamba versus truth, or King James versus everybody. These verses, we're preaching this is for everybody. It's all love for whoever believes. So dynamic when they see us, all they can say is church. We got the perfect starter, all nation, Ginger Creek, led by the big three. So church, your purpose is in this city. Do you hear us calling you? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We gotta follow through. Goodness and mercy shall follow you. So follow us as we pass the rock to the next generation and preach the gospel and be the church. Because of an unstoppable spirit and immovable faith, we are uncheckable. We are a legacy. We are Purpose City Church. stop the video yet we got one more thing to show you you want to see a miracle Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.